Here I am. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great offering. And uh, God bless you. And uh, my scripture text this morning is uh, John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. It reads as follows. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Thirst, come, drink. Thirst, come, drink. Those are my three points today. Thirst, come, drink. We can all remember that, right? If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, that's the word belly actually in the Greek, not cardia, but koilia, it's the word for belly, out of his belly, you know, because the belly is a seat of appetite, right? Man, I'm so hungry. You know, you feel that emptiness in your belly, right? Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Isn't that great that we just receive? We receive, right? There's nothing we do. We receive, receive. It's a passive would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, he hadn't yet died, buried, rose again, and ascended to the Father, and he has now shed forth this, which you now see in here. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given. The idea of the Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive. It's not something that we earn, something that we deserve, something that we merit, something that we strive for or work for. Given? We receive. And how do we receive this? By thirsting, coming, and drinking. Let me ask you this question today. How is your appetite? God made you with appetites, but they must be filled in a way that pleases God. We agree with that, right? Uh, hunger and thirst, uh, sexual appetites, appetites for for blessing, for success, ambitions in our life. It all must be fulfilled in a way that pleases God. I've learned this. Only, the, only God can, tr- can truly fill the deepest longings of a heart for purpose and for meaning. Only that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The scripture talks about people that had appetites and tried to fulfill them in a sinful or a fleshly way. Esau had an appetite And because he had that appetite and it drove him, he ended up selling his birthright blessing to his brother Jacob. But he had an appetite. He was hungry. Adam and Eve had an appetite and ate from the tree. Their appetite was to be like God. They wanted something more than what God had given them. The woman at the well had an appetite. She was living with the man and already had five husbands. Obviously, she had an appetite for love or for protection or for some type of acceptance and she tried to fill it in a person that never works jesus had an appetite it tells us in john chapter 4 verse 34 jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work so jesus had an appetite to do the will of his father and to finish that purpose that divine purpose he's the great model for us right we are to have an appetite for God. We are to appetite for his will. We want, to, we want to eat and drink of him. He's our ultimate fulfillment. Jesus says this, if anyone thirsts, are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty? It's important to, to answer that question. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, everyone who thirsts 
Come to the waters. Everyone who thirsts comes to the waters. Well, the water is, is the Lord himself that promises us his precious Holy Spirit. It says, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. So we're supposed to come without any money and buy. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that the offer is free. But we come ready to exchange our life for his life. What a great exchange that, that is, right? Come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So God's not asking you to bring anything other than yourself. You just come thirsty or you come hungry. That's all you have to do is bring yourself. You don't have to bring anything other than that. And the scripture says you can be filled with God. Praise the Lord, right? Appetite. You ever hear the statement, you are what you eat? Sometimes we just fill up on junk food, talking about spiritually, fill up on junk food. And because of that, we have no more appetite for God. The scripture tells us that we're not supposed to love the world or the things in this world. If we love this world, the love of the Father is not in us. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. We can have an appetite for this world and eat and drink of the success of this world, the ambitions of this world, the pleasures of this world. We can, we can just come and dine at everything that this world has to offer. But if you do that and try to fulfill or satisfy the deepest longings of your heart, you're going to come away empty. Am I right about that? going to come away empty. Jesus put it this way. We are to, according to Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, after righteousness, how about this? Hunger and thirst, let's make it personal, after the righteous one, which is Jesus Christ. That makes it a little bit easier, right? We should want Jesus. And the Bible says if we hunger and thirst after righteousness or the righteous one, we shall be filled. We shall be filled. You know, the scripture talks about people who live their lives in such way that their God is their belly. You know, their God is their, the, uh, the seed of the appetite is your belly. And the scripture says their God is their belly. In other words, their, their appetites that they have just drive them and they do everything that they can to fulfill those, those longings, those appetites, those desires, those passions. But they try to do it by turning to this world. And the Bible says whose God is their belly. They literally make an idol at their own desires. Where the Lord tells us that we're supposed to hunger and thirst after him. Uh, I think the psalmist put it this way. All my streams are in you, O God. All my streams are in you. John 7, 38 says, out of your heart or belly shall flow rivers of living water. God promises to fill your appetite with himself. Now, in this passage of scripture, in John chapter 7, it says, on that last day, the great day of the feast. This was the Feast of Tabernacles where they literally celebrated what God did by delivering them out of Egypt and taking them to the promised land. But in that wilderness, they lived in tents or temporary shelters for 40 years, and God marvelously provided for them water in the wilderness. It was rivers of water that he provided in the wilderness. We know Moses smote the rock, and waters gushed out to why the Bible says in the book of Psalms, there were streams or rivers in that desert. So an abundant supply. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrated all this. 
Let me read to you a little synopsis of the Feast of Tabernacles. During the seven days of the feast, all native Israelites were to dwell in booths or tents or temporary shelters to remind them that God delivered them out of the land of Egypt and to look forward to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would deliver his people from the bondage of sin. This feast, like all of the feasts of Israel, consistently reminded the Jews and should remind Christians as well that God has promised to deliver his people from the bondage of sin and deliver them from their enemies. Part of God's deliverance for the Israelites was his provision and protection of them for the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, cut off from the promised land. Each day during the Feast of Tabernacles, during those seven days, a joyous celebration was observed in which the priests brought water to the temple from the Pool of Siloam and a golden pitcher. It was poured out on the altar as an offering to God and as a picture of God supplying water for Israel in the wilderness. Just as God promised a supernatural water in the desert, Jesus offered his supernatural spirit to every believer. So we could just see this. It was the last day of the feast. It's a seven-day feast. They're pouring the water out in a very symbolic way, saying not only did we live in temporary dwelling places for 40 years, but God provided supernatural water in that desert and, and sustained us in the wilderness. Jesus cries out. And says, if you're really thirsty, come, drink. I'll give you living water. Am I right about that? I'll give you living water. And that resonates with us. Now, at the time he spoke that, he hadn't died and resurrected and, and ascended and sat down at the right hand of God. So the Spirit of God was not yet given. But the day of Pentecost, we celebrate the Holy Spirit being poured out. And I think Pentecost Sunday was two Sundays ago. And so we're a little bit behind talking about the Holy Spirit, but hey, better late than never. Better late than never as far as I'm concerned. But I want to encourage each and every one of us to be thirsty, to be thirsty for God, to want more of him. And you know what? The Holy Spirit was given so that we might have supernatural power. Are you aware that there are tremendous headwinds coming against us as Christians in this culture? And it's only going to get worse. And how much more do we need supernatural power and divine enablement and to be filled with the Spirit and empowered by God? How much more do we need it right now than we did two weeks ago or two years ago? It's going to be an ever-increasing need that we have as Christians for supernatural empowerment to keep us in this world that the Bible says is a wilderness. Now, we understand that there's no water in the desert. No water in the desert. But there is a supernatural supply for us that is living down here. When I say there's no water in the wilderness, what I'm saying is this. This world has nothing that it can offer us that can sustain us spiritually. Nothing. But we, if we lift up our eyes and look to God, he can rain down upon us, pour out upon us, give us his spirit and give us his word, and he can sustain us as we are passing through down here. Somebody say amen to that. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Thirst, come and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Thirst. What does it mean when the Bible says thirst? 
That means this, you have strong spiritual desires for more of Jesus. Spiritual desires. I want Jesus. You should always be thirsty. Always be thirsty. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? He'll give you living waters to where you will never thirst again. But you're supposed to stay thirsty. I think that's interesting. Oh, God, I want you. And God gives you more of himself in the presence of his spirit and in the promises of his word. And they satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And it so satisfies you that you literally cry out for more. Am I right? He so blesses you and empowers you and fulfills you and satisfies you that, that, that you're, you're, you no longer are searching for life in this world, but you found it in Jesus. Oh, my soul is satisfied. Oh, God, give me more. I want more of Jesus. Thirst, you will do what is spiritually necessary to quench your thirst, such as pray, Worship, fast, assemble, study, meditate, serve, press in. In other words, your thirst drives you or motivates you or empowers you to do what you need to do to satisfy that thirsty, that thirstiness, that, that longing for him. A thirsty soul doesn't say, well, whatever. A thirsty soul says, I will do what I need to do to find him, my source, he who satisfies me. Thirst. The Holy Spirit is given to the thirsty, not the satisfied. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had this to say. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich, those that have plenty, those that have no need, those that have no longings, he sent away empty. Oh, I tell you what, that's the way it is, isn't it? If you want more, you can find more. But if you are satisfied at the level you're at, or there you stay, or there you remain. I hope that there is not a single person here that would say, I'm satisfied with all that I have in God. I don't want more. I hope that we have a congregation that says, I want more. I need more of God. I want more of him. I want more of a love for him. I want to experience him more. I want to uh, just have more of Jesus. It says in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts. For God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Thirst. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty today for more of Jesus? So that's the first step, the thirst. The second step is to come. If anyone thirsts, let him come. You know, Jesus calls on you to come. He doesn't make you come, but he calls on you to come. All those that are weary and, and burdened, Jesus says what? Come to me. It's like there's something that has to arise in your heart to say, I will follow. I will come. I will take steps 
It's interesting, the Lord comes to us. We don't come to him. He comes to us and saves us. We understand that. He comes to us. But Jesus says this also. No man can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And so salvation is Jesus Christ coming to where you are. It's not you on a journey to get to him, but rather he comes to you. And at the same time, it's a paradox, he literally is drawing you to him. It's like you're caught in a net, a fish caught in a net, and he is slowly pulling you to himself. Or you're, you're in a stream and you sense this, this movement, this pressure just drawing you. Or like there's a hook in your jaw, and it's the Spirit of God. He's got a hold on you, and he's pulling or drawing you, and you are coming to him. He comes to you. You don't come to him, but he draws you, so you come to him. Coming. Coming to him. You hear the Lord say, come. Imagine as it were, Jesus standing up here and his arms are lifted out and he's looking right at you and he says, come, come to me and I'll give you living water where you'll never thirst again. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Just come to me today. Just come to me. Don't be passive. Don't be settled. Don't be satisfied at the level you're at. But the Lord is standing here saying, come. Will you come? One thing about the gospel is this, is that we can come just as we are. No pretense. I can't come today. I'm not where I should be. Well, all the more reason to come. As far as I'm, I'm concerned. Well, I don't know about coming today. I, I, I'm not sure I had the desire All the more reason to come. Lord, I'm coming so you can help my coming to come. Does that even make sense? Come. Man, I am so on fire, wanting more. I need him. Then come. Come, he says. Come. And then the third thing he says is drink. You know, in the passage of Scripture, it says this. And John chapter 7, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive, receive. Drinking is the act of receiving. You've heard of that, that, uh, that cliche, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? You can't, and that's true. You can't make a horse drink. You can't make a believer drink. You have to drink to drink. There's a response. Man, I'm thirsty. I'm hearing the Spirit say, come. I'm coming. God is there, and I need to drink. What is drinking? It's the opening up of your spirit. It's the opening up of your spirit by faith. It's saying, oh, God, here I am, and I just want you I want all of you. I want everything that you have for me today. I'm opening up my heart, and by faith, I am drinking in of you. I am drinking in of you. When Jesus came to the disciples after his resurrection, they're in a 
locked room, a closed door room, full of fear, right? And the Lord shows up in his glorified body, just passing through those walls. I'm so glad that the Lord can pass through our walls. You know, we have these barriers of unbelief and uh, issues and fears, and the Lord can just pass through all of those and just stand right before us. And the scripture says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is in John's gospel. I think it's chapter 20. Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, the Jesus is going to breathe on you and say, I want you to receive. What would you do if he's breathing on you? I don't know about you, but I would do this. I'd breathe in. If the Lord's going to breathe out, then I'm breathing in. I'm, I'm taking it in. I'm taking it in. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, not, so, not just so that he might rest on us or come upon us or be with us or stand next to us or go before us or walk behind us, but he gave the Holy Spirit so that he might be in us, in us, in us. And if Jesus is breathing out, then I'm breathing in. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, a minister breathe on people as they pray over them. And, of course, a lot of times they fall out under the Spirit. And, but they're breathing on that. You know, a lot of people, well, that's just fake. That's just fake. That's just, and maybe in some cases it is fake. I, I'm not saying either way. But it's taken from this idea Jesus breathed upon. Now, I realize that it's the Son of God breathing the spirit of life into those apostles. And that, that, that preacher or whatever is not the Son of God breathing life. I realize he's, he's imitating or he's mimicking. Or he's, you understand what I'm saying? And I think, that, I think God can use that, certainly. It's, it's uh, something that we can do tangibly. But drinking is breathing in, as it were. Breathing in as God is breathing out. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What do I think drinking is? I think drinking is beginning to speak as the Spirit gives you utterance. They were all filled and began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's drinking. God moves upon. God fills you up. And then there's this response. If he breathes in or upon, then you breathe in. That's a response. If he pours the spirit out and you begin to speak, he can give you a supernatural utterance. I've never seen anybody speak in tongues that didn't speak out. There's a response. A response. We come. We are thirsty. We drink. That's your part. That's what you do. God does his part. It's like when you got saved. You came to Jesus. You believed on the Lord. But he drew you to him. He granted you faith and the gift of repentance. God's doing his part and you're doing your part. And somehow it all comes together. We call it the sovereignty of God, working with human responsibility to accomplish his plan and purpose for your life. Well, where does God leave off and you begin? I don't know, but I do know this. 
we have to respond. We got to want. We got to thirst. We got to come. We got to drink. We need to receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Who is this Holy Spirit? We can know that the Holy Spirit is a divine person because he possesses a mind, emotions, and a will. The Holy Spirit thinks and knows. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, makes decisions according to his will. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. As God, the Holy Spirit can function as the comforter and the counselor that Jesus promised he would be. Listen to what it says in Romans 8 verse 9 about the Holy Spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Holy Spirit is both the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. God dwells in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But also, Jesus is on the inside of you because it's the Spirit of Christ. The Father and the Son dwells in you in all his fullness or his power. That's the mystery of the Godhead. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. So that when we're saved, it's as if God is on the inside of you. Not as if, he really is on the inside of you by his Spirit. And it's as if Jesus is living on the inside of you. The Spirit of Christ. It's amazing. The Bible tells us in Luke 24, Jesus, one of his last words to his apostles, he says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The word endued means clothed. It's like if you're putting on clothing. Endued with power from on high. So the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. The Father promised to send the Holy Spirit. You can read about that in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He's going to pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. Peter said at the day of Pentecost, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So it's the promise of the Father. And the Bible says he will endue you or clothe you with power. The promise of the Father is supernatural power by the Holy Spirit. He says, now you wait in Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed with this power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Why wait? Because he did not want them going forth trying to fulfill the great commission without the power to do it. And I realized they had to wait because he had to ascend to the Father. And they, there was typology to fulfill on the day of Pentecost, all those things. And they waited And then when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Holy Spirit. And we don't have to wait any longer. God has poured out his Spirit. We just have to thirst, come, and drink. Thirst, come, and drink. Listen, you will not receive anything from God unless you are thirsty. And you won't receive anything from the Lord unless you come. And you can thirst and come, but unless you open up your heart to receive or to drink in. It's like water poured out on the ground. Water spilled on the ground cannot be gathered up again. God wants to pour out, but he wants to pour out in you. Fill you up to overflowing. How awesome that is. The Holy Spirit is rivers of living water. As the scripture has said, out of his heart or belly... 
the seed of appetite will flow rivers of living water. How wonderful that is to have in the seed of my appetite or desires to have God there as this abundant supply. Rivers of living water, listen, it's supernatural, abundant, life-giving, soul-satisfying, thirst-quenching power from on high. That's what it is. It's an abundant supply, more than enough. Now, our culture and the religions of this world love to talk about power from within. The Holy Spirit is power from on high. Christianity is not self-help or self-actualization or self-empowerment or self-love or self-affirmation or any self you want to put there. Christianity is power from on high. We're needy. The answer is not within us. The power is not within us. Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. The power comes when we lift up our eyes to God and have him pour out from on high upon us, the Holy Spirit. Christianity is not the power of self, but rather the power of God. Christianity is being filled with the Spirit, not filled with worries, fears, or regrets. It's being filled with God. I don't know about you. Do you ever get tired of being filled with worries or filled with fears? Boy, this 2020 and 2021, lots of fears, lots of worries, lots of strife, lots of confusion. I'd rather be filled with God than any of those things. How about you? Christianity literally is Christ within you. Christ within you. We know, I need my worship team up here. Christ within you. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. This is my desire. As if you're comfortable. I know some of you not, might not be comfortable but if you're comfortable, I got my prayer team. They're ready to go. If you're comfortable, I'd like to lay hands on you and pray over you for God to empower you and to fill you with the Spirit. Now, I'll pray with the understanding and also pray with the Spirit over you. I'll do both. First Corinthians 14, Apostle Paul says he'll do both. And I encourage my prayer team to do both. I'll pray over you. But there is a lot of headwinds coming against us as believers in our culture. There's a lot of fears, a lot of worries, a lot of strife, a lot of division. The world is shaky ground. We need power from on high. What I want you to do is come and drink. Come and receive. That's what I want you to do. And my desire is to pray for everybody here this morning to have you come down and be prayed for. And I realize because of the COVID and your situation, you might not want to come down. Totally get that. All right. Totally get that. You can receive right where you're at. No problem with that. But if you do, have confidence to come on down 
And this is not a faith test, by the way. Those that come and those that don't. I don't want to give you that impression at all. But if you feel good and are confident enough to come on down, I would love to pray over you so that you might receive. If I could have my prayer team come and take your place, prayer team, up here on the, on the altar. And we will lay hands on you and pray over you. And we're going to do this as long as we need. And uh, it's 1016. I don't know if we can get done by 1030. But if you're prayed for and 1030 comes, you need to go. I understand that. You can go ahead and go. We'll pray for as long as we need to pray for those that are here. All right. Like I said, I got my prayer team here. And so... I want you guys to form a line by each person, if you can do that, all right? Got prayer teams over here. If you can form a line behind each person, and we're going to pray over you. We're going to lay hands on you. Why do I say lay hands on? In in Acts chapter 8, the apostles came down from Jerusalem, and the scripture says they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them. In Acts chapter 19... The Apostle Paul found some disciples at Ephesus. They had not received the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he laid hands on them. Laid hands on them. So these hands can represent God's hands. When you feel the hand being laid on your head or your shoulders, I want you to just to think about God laying his hand on you. The anointing of God's going to come on you. We're going to pray over you for you to be supernaturally empowered, all right? Supernaturally empowered. I just want you to drink deeply, to drink deeply, just to drink deeply. Hallelujah. So that's the, that's the idea. All right. Praise the Lord. Line up at each person as you would, please. And we'll pray over you. They're going to worship the Lord, all right? And so all of us, let's worship God. God inhabits the praises of his people. So we want to create this atmosphere of God being here. Boldness, faith. All right, let's pray.